James chapter 5 verse 12 But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment. Sometimes when you have to convince people that you're telling the truth, you might say something like, I swear, or as God is my witness. James says, don't do that. Do not swear. Really, he's repeating something Jesus said. You can read about it in Matthew 5, it's verses 33 to 37. Again, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform to the Lord what you have sworn. But I say to you, Do not take an oath at all, either by heaven, for it is the throne of God, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. And do not take an oath by your head, for you cannot make one hair white or black. Let what you say be simply yes or no. Anything more than this comes from evil. What James and Jesus have in mind is calling someone to witness what you're saying, calling someone to hold you accountable for what you're saying. They mean saying things like, as God is my witness, by God, by Jove, by heavens, on my mother's grave, or I swear by the hair of my chinny chin chin. They mean saying things to add weight to your words. That's the kind of swearing they mean. Swearing like that is not entirely sinful, The Old Testament doesn't condemn it. In fact, it encourages it. Deuteronomy 10 verse 20. You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him. And to him you shall hold fast and take oaths in his name. And on occasions, Paul swore oaths. Romans 1 verse 9. God is my witness. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 23. Moreover, I call God as witness against my soul. And Galatians 1 verse 20. Indeed, before God, I do not lie. Even God takes oaths. Hebrews 3 verse 11. I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest. And Hebrews 6 verse 13. For when God made a promise to Abraham because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. So it does seem that in biblical times, swearing was recognised as a useful way to establish your sincerity. However, once you made an oath, you were expected to keep it, no matter what. Numbers 30 verse 2. If a man makes a vow to the Lord or swears an oath to bind himself by some agreement, he shall not break his word, he shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. You see, to fail to keep an oath would be to dishonour God in whose name the oath was taken. So to swear an oath is not something you should ever do lightly, and it shouldn't be an everyday occurrence. To swear an oath lightly or unnecessarily would be to take God's name in vain. 
So if it was okay on certain occasions to swear an oath, so long as you did everything in your power to honour it, why do James and Jesus tell us not to? They were concerned about oaths being used as a cover for dishonesty. What they were calling for was simple honesty. Honesty such that there is no need for oaths to convince people that what you say is true. Honesty such that there is no need for strong words to add power or weight to your words. Plain, straightforward speech. Let yes mean yes and no mean no. Simple honesty, radical honesty, transparent honesty, telling it as it is, no pretending, no dressing it up, no embellishment, no spin, only saying what you mean, when you say you will do something, do it, every word you speak carrying the same weight as a signed document. Is that you? As far as big lies are concerned, most of us know that is wrong, at least I hope we do. But there are other ways of deceiving. Pretending to be something you're not. Maintaining an image of godliness or success. What about the weaknesses we hide and the barriers we put up so people can't see those weaknesses? What about the doubts and uncertainties we have about our faith or about ourselves? Aren't we very clever at pretending they're not there? We don't say it in words, but we create the illusion that they don't exist, and we cleverly twist our words to maintain that illusion, embellishing the truth, happy to let misunderstanding continue when it's to our advantage. We can do it in such subtle ways we have ourselves deceived half the time. Let me put it like this. Is the person other people see the same person who lives in your house? or the person you know you are on the inside. Now, you don't have to tell everybody everything. There are some things that some people don't need to know, and it's okay to tell them so. Nevertheless, the kind of simple honesty James is talking about is risky. It can get you into trouble. Like when your wife asks, do I look fat in this? Don't tell her a lie. And don't tell lies to anyone else when they ask you difficult questions. But remember, always speak the truth in love. James' kind of simple honesty can make you very vulnerable. People could take advantage of your honesty. But remember, being vulnerable is okay because God is looking out for you. There's no room for pretense in the church. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? And James says here, it brings judgment. Why is all this such a big deal? Did you notice James starts this verse with the words, but above all? Now he's covered some big subjects. Submitting to God in Christ, doing the word, loving one another. How come this one rates so high, above all? I've been thinking about some of the subtle ways in which I'm dishonest. We all have them. And I've been praying, Lord, give me that simple, straightforward honesty James is talking about. But I have to admit it scares me when I think what that could mean. Someone who is thoroughly honest would have to be very careful to live a holy life, instead of just being careful to make sure that people think he lives a holy life. 
He would be quicker to deal with his secret sins, for they might not stay so secret. His weakness would be evident, and so would his failures and his need for help and prayer and encouragement. Someone who is thoroughly honest would be a very vulnerable person. But then on the positive side, he wouldn't be a threat to anyone. He wouldn't make anyone feel ashamed or unworthy or afraid to ask for help or confess a sin. If we all were thoroughly honest, yes, we would all be vulnerable people. We would all be weak people dependent on the Lord and each other. And I think we would then be more supportive of one another and the church would be a less threatening place and a more welcoming place. I mean, what's the biggest thing that keeps people from coming over the threshold of a church? Fear of being judged. Fear of being made to feel they're not good enough. Shame. If only they knew what we're really like. If only we were thoroughly honest people. Why is it so important? When this kind of simple honesty is absent... It destroys trust and it breeds suspicion and fear. It drives people away. It stops a church from being what a church should be. God has put us together to help and encourage one another. We can't do that if we think all the rest don't need help or encouragement. And we do think that because we are not thoroughly honest. Sometimes, yes, it's hard to convince people that you're telling the truth. But what if you had a reputation for simple honesty? What if they could say of you, that guy, that woman, like a pane of polished glass, there's not a lie, not a trace of deceit in him or her. There's no need for him or her to say, quite honestly, or I promise. And there's certainly no need to ask him or her to swear. Above all, my brethren, Do not swear either by heaven or by earth or with any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, lest you fall into judgment.